If you've got your Bibles, we're going to start. I've asked Claire to read a text for me, um, and she's going to do the reading for us today. It's Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through to 20. So uh, Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through to 20. I'd like to, for you to stand when I read the word. I was reading in Nehemiah. Did you see when he opened the word? They had to stand, didn't they? You know why? Because they're so reverent. This is, when you read the word, this is actually his word. He's speaking to you. Yeah, not me. Think of him speaking to you. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi, between Migdal and the sea. And they're to camp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go, and we have lost all their services. So he had his chariot made ready, and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots in Egypt, with the officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out. Boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi, opposite Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, What? Was it, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us here to Egypt? Didn't we say that we should stay in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in this desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stay firm. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your star. He raised his staff and he stretched out his hand across the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites could go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army and through the chariots and the horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then 
the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, this morning we're asking that you would just open up these words to us, open our hearts that we might understand and receive. Lord, we want to leave this place changed. We want to have gone to a new level with you. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now that you would anoint me. The words that I speak, Lord, give me your words and take away mine. Help us to hear what you want us to hear, we ask. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, Claire. How many of you have ever had a promise from the Lord and you're still waiting? Anyone? You've had a a word come that you're going to receive healing or someone's going to get saved and you're believing for something and you're still waiting. Joseph, as you heard earlier, was in Egypt and when he's on his deathbed, he turned to the Israelites and says, God is going to take you out of this land of Egypt and take you into the promised land. And here they were waiting 400 years. How long have you been waiting? You see, God sees the bigger picture. There's a horrible verse in the Bible there that I want you to take a pen and cross out because I don't think it's right. Verse 8 of chapter 14 says, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. I don't know about that verse. Um, The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Like, whose side are you on? 400 years, and now God gets on Pharaoh's heart and changes and says, I want you back. I've changed my mind. Pharaoh had agreed to let them leave, and yet God's hardening his heart. There must be something in the Hebrew there. So I looked it up in the Hebrew to see the correct tenses, and it actually says in the Hebrew, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So we have a problem here. In life, we love to, uh, we, life just works in levels. Uh, you'll know this. You know, you start out on a level grade one, grade two, grade three, and finally you get up to a grade 10, and, and you're like, man, I'm cool. I'm t- you know, I'm 10. But God wants us to move on to the next level, and so does mom and dad, actually. They'd like us to go to 11, because actually 11 is just number one, but on the next level. And so you get 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And man, it is so cool to be 20. You guys don't know what you're missing yet. It is so cool. And, and then all of a sudden life says, why don't you come join us here on 21? And now all of a sudden you become one on the next level. You see, when you're 21, you start hanging around the area of people that are in their 30s. So you get into a new zone. You see, 31 is actually one on the next level. 41 is actually one on the next level. 51 is actually one on the next level. 
Yeah, 81 is actually one on the next level. God is taking us up levels and his challenges. But I've got a question for you. Are you willing to let go of the prestige of being a level 10 and giving that up so that you can become a one on the next level? Are you so enjoying being the big fish in the little pond or are you prepared to become a small fish in a bigger pond? Talking of fish in ponds, this is a true story. I know it is true because I looked it up on the internet and it's there. So uh, this is guaranteed to be right. <laughs> what you're laughing about is genuine true. I found it on more than one website. So if, more than, if they've tweaked it and well, they've tweeted it, it's definitely true. And uh, so, so here's the story. Uh, the, you know, we all eat salmon. And that's the, like the healthy thing to do. But a couple of years ago, it wasn't salmon. It was cod that was actually what people were enjoying. And they were catching it on the east coast of America, and they wanted to get across to the west coast. Now, you m- must know this must be, what, a 10, 15, 20-hour train ride to get across America. Uh, it's, it's big. So what they did is they caught the cod, and they put it on ice, and they put it on the train, and they sent it across to the other side for them to enjoy but when they got to the other side and, and they started to cook the cod, it wasn't, the texture wasn't right. It had lost its flavor. Uh, it didn't taste right. Uh, it, it was it's upsetting. So they got a mind, guys of clever guys together, and they thought, what are we going to do about this? So they came up with this invention, and what they did is they filled the train cars with tanks, uh, fish tanks. And they caught the cod live, and they put them in the tanks, and they sent the train across with live fish to the other side. But the strangest thing happened when they got to the other side. Oh, by the way, this isn't a story like Steve tells. You're not going to start laughing at the end. This is serious. <laughs> this is a proper story. It's, it's, it's real. This isn't like his fables. This is true. Uh, and so when it got to the other side, they, they cooked the fish. But still, even though it was alive when they got it, it still didn't have the right texture. And the taste wasn't quite the same. Then somebody, some genius, actually threw into the tank some catfish. Now, catfish is the cod's natural enemy. Catfish eat cod. So these cod, for the next 15 hours as they're going across on the train, the catfish are nipping at their fins trying to get a bite out of the cod. So these cod were moving about and jumping around and trying to... And when they got to the other side and they cooked them, they were just as fresh as had they been caught out of the sea. You see, there's something about... Being on the move that keeps you fresh. There's something about challenges in life that keeps us fresh. Pastor Andrew preached a really great sermon last week, and he's talking about how sometimes we make one or two steps forward and then we get knocked back. It's keeping us fresh. It's keeping on us on our toes. Could it be that it's that catfish that gets you to go from a level ten to the next level and start again at a level one? Claire was preaching on uh, Gideon, and Gideon. He was in the, the wine press. He was a hero. While everyone else was living in fear, he was actually defying the armies and, and, the, and the enemy. And he was getting grain and he was, he was in the wine press, crushing out. And he was providing for his family and his friends. And God saw him then and said, Oh, you mighty man of valor, would you like to go to the next level? And I'm sure Gideon said, I'm fine, thank you, on a level 10. <laughs> they can't see me in the wine press while I'm over here. And God says, I would like you to trust me and become a mighty warrior and become a number one on the next level. 
Nehemiah, Andrew was preaching last weekend. By the way, just press pause right now and go listen to those two sermons. Andrews and, uh, Andrew, Andrew and Claire's, they were brilliant. You've got to go and listen to them on the podcast. Andrew was preaching on Nehemiah. You said he was a cupbearer, and he, God puts inside of him a dream. I'm sure Nehemiah was very happy sipping the king's wine. And God says, Nehemiah, would you like to go and rebuild the walls and become a number one on the next level? Would you like to become a number t- a 21 or 31 or 41 and become governor instead of just a cupbearer? Maybe God has got his eye on you and some catfish are nipping at your tail. We'll just leave it there, shall we? And maybe it's keeping you fresh and God's saying, are you prepared to go to the next level? Are you prepared to move on and go to the next level? You see, when you're in a bit of a hard place, all of a sudden, that verse, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. It becomes very relevant (laughs) because I'm number one and I kind of don't know what I'm doing, but I'm on the next level. Yeah, we all have hard situations. There was no real threat to them. Here God has hardened Pharaoh's heart and he's pushing the children of Israel because he doesn't want them to settle with a slave mentality. He's saying, I'd like you to go to a new level. So I might introduce a couple of catfish into your tank and he sends along 600 chariots with their captains and Pharaoh himself to go and get them. Can you just imagine for a moment the thunder of 600 horses and chariots. And they come along the desert and you can see the, the sand rising and the, 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 the dust rising. And they are thundering towards you and you walking in sandals. Can you just imagine what went through their minds? God's asking you, please, would you like to move on to the next level? Yeah, you see... Children of Israel didn't live in a democracy. They were in a dictatorship. There was no court system or political party that they could run to and ask for help. Who knows what Pharaoh was going to do to them when he caught them. He was whipping them and beating them. When they asked the very first time just to be released from Egypt, he immediately tenfold lifted up their workload to punish them even more. What would he do to them now that they've actually fled? Total fear and terror is gripping the children of Israel because they're on the run with no voice, no political status, no socioeconomic power, but 600 chariots on their tail. The Bible records, in Deuteronomy actually, the writer writes back and says how, of this very event, he says how the eagle nest, the the eagle mom stirs up the nest, starts to pull it apart so that the fat little eaglet Check, what's it? Eaglet? Are we we okay with eaglet? Okay, so the little eaglet sitting there, and have you ever seen the babies? They're normally bigger than the moms. Fat little thing, and mom's saying, it's time for you, honey, to go to the next level. Those wings that you got on the side of you weren't there to squawk and say, feed me, feed me, feed me. They were there to soar. So she starts to disrupt the nest a little bit. This is, let me just rephrase, a loving mother. 
stirring up, getting a little baby unsettled. In fact, I was reading and researching it again on the internet. Google's pretty powerful stuff. You need to look into this. And the, what's a bird, a uh, person who studies birds? Ornithologist, is that right? Yeah, I was just making sure I got my ornithologist right. And so they were saying the bald eagle, in fact, will start to starve the chick, stops giving it food, so the chick gets hungry. And then comes and flies with a nice bit of lunch or supper and sits just a meter or so away from the nest and starts to enjoy it slowly so that these little eaglets are, ah, I want that. And they start flapping. Now their nest is already disrupted and here's mom gluttoning down food and they are starving. So what are their next step is to hop off and say, I need some of this. And mom's encouraging them to go to the next level. Maybe the trial that you're going through, maybe the problem that you're going through, maybe the thing that you're happening right now is God actually propelling you to the next level. But they, there's, no, there's no danger. There's no danger. You see, God had moved his angel, the cloud, behind them. So the children of Israel were now separated from the Egyptians by this cloud of fire. Darkness for the Egyptians, light to the children of Israel. I've got the news for you. God has got your back. God has got your back. Even though you're feeling very uncomfortable, God has got your back. Verse 10 says, As Pharaoh approached, Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified. Didn't I just say earlier, they marched out in boldness? Oh my goodness, so easy to get faith in church. Bless God, I'm trusting for a miracle. Yes, I'm going to get it. And yeah, we're punching the air and high-fiving each other. He-fiving, how do you say it? High-fiving each other. And they're all excited in church and they get out of there and all of a sudden they look up and they begin to see their past chasing them down and fear grips them. What is it that is talking to you the second you leave church? Oh, it's so easy to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'll sing a Hallelujah. Just sing a hallelujah. And then I've got to go home and face the disaster. See what's happening inside your head. What are you looking at? Are you looking at your past? Are you dwelling on the pain of the past? Are you allowing the fear of the past to come and haunt you and paralyze you? What do you do when you cry out to God like the children of Israel did and say, God help us? And God says nothing. What an annoying situation. God, i got catfish eating my fins. Would you do something? And all God can say is, move on. <laughs> is that all you've got? I could make a couple of suggestions. How about killing them? How about destroying them? How about, and God is saying, move on. Are you prepared to go to the next level? 600 assassins after you. You thought you had it bad with one problem. They had 600. If the first guy missed, the second one was bound to get you. 600. But Lord, I'm scared. Move on. But Lord, you don't understand. I'm in danger. God's saying, move on. But Lord, I'm feeling very vulnerable here. Move on. Lord, the situation is making me very anxious and I'm getting depressed. Then move on. But Lord, if you were a loving God, 
move on. Lord, I have got a two-year-old in one hand. I've got a baby in the other. We witnessed what those Egyptians did to our dad in Egypt. How they whipped him to death. How he was crying out for, for mercy. And they whipped him and whipped him and whipped him. And if, I, if they catch us, they're going to do this. Move on. How do you have insurance of the outcome? It's so hard to have that. Very hard. But God's command to us is move on. Don't look at me, those big, beautiful brown eyes. You do it too. Driving along the motorway and there's a car accident, what do you do? You slow down to take a look. And the police officer says, move on. Move on. But Lord, I'm scared. Gideon, God says to him, take down the idols, the idols of Baal. And he's scared. He goes at night because he's scared. And he takes the idols down at night because he's scared. Then God comes to him again. Judges chapter 7 verse 9 says, Arise, Gideon. Go down to the enemy's camp. And if you're scared, go. Move on. Go to the enemy's camp. He tells them. He says, if you're scared, Carry on going. Do what I'm telling you to do because I'm going to set an ambush. I'm going to set an ambush. Oh, I can tell you this, that the miracle that you're waiting for is in the moving. If you prepare to carry on and move on, you can see your breakthrough. Are you prepared to move on? Nehemiah, Build the walls, Nehemiah, yeah. But fear grabs him and he goes and surveys the walls and the gates at night. Why? His shirt is thumping. He's nervous. God has said to do something. Are you prepared to move on? Are you prepared to move on? How many of you know the Apple computer guy? What's his name? Steve Jobs. He said this. To go forward, you have to leave Something behind. <coughs> what are you going to leave behind in order to move forward? Yes, Satan is like Pharaoh attacking you. Come to kill, steal, destroy. 600 chariots. You're in a fearful atmosphere, barely able to move. Catfish are ripping and nipping at your tail. And you might be here today, not because it's a lovely church to belong to, but you crying out to God and saying, please, would you deliver us from the evil one? I've got problems in my life, I need it. You see, they were going where they've never been before, to do something they've never done before, being led by someone they didn't even know. Here at PCF, we're heading north. We're moving on. Yes, we're moving. But we're going to a place we've never been before. We're heading north. We're going to multiply leaders. We're going to multiply small groups. We're going to multiply. And what happens is people get mad at Moses. You've taken us to a scary place. What's going on? And God is saying, it's time for you to move on. Keep on a moving.
Keep on moving. The miracle, the miracle, the miracle is in the moving. God does not want us to settle at 19 or 20. Oh, it's so great. We've got little curtains and we've got our last PA system. And, and I even see the singers. They've got things in the ears. Isn't that cool? He does not want you settling at 20. He's asking us to go to 21. Are we prepared to be a one on the next level? Are we prepared to move on? Children of Israel, they had faith. They had a lot of faith, actually. Would you follow a leader you didn't know to a place you don't know where you're going? At night, take all the silver and gold and leave on the run. Oh, they had faith. They definitely did. So they were obedient, but they did it scared. They did it scared. You see, the presence of faith is not the absence of fear. Just because you're going by your faith does not mean your head is going to be silent or your head could be screaming out. Christians, listen to me. I'm a faith man. I've listened to the faith speakers for all my life and I believe every word they say, but I'm still telling you, your head will talk to you. Don't doubt in the dark what God gives you in the light. Yes, your head's going to lie to you and tell you stories. Yes, you're going to have some doubts, but let me give you a little revelation here. Sometimes the doubts and the fear and the, the nervousness, it applies to your head, the psyche, the mind, the will, and the intellect. But faith is a matter of the heart. Are you listening to your heart? I want to challenge you. Are you prepared to move on to the next level and do it scared? I'm not waiting till the absence and I feel so confident. God is not waiting for that. He says, go now. Because the miracle is in the moving. You know, that uh, fear can do terrible, terrible things to you. It takes its toll on the body. You know that when you're walking and you're living in fear, continuous fear, it weakens the immune system. It, it affects your digestive tracts. And that's why so many people have IBS syndrome. It damages your cardiovascular system. It decreases fertility. And all your systems of your body are focused on fight or flight. Fight or flight. I have two little girls. And my little girls are gorgeous. I take them for a walk regularly. And I put the collars on. And one's got a red collar and one's got a black collar. And you want to see a picture of my little girls? There they are. <laughs> Molly is on the right. She's got the black collar. Daisy is on the left. She's got the red collar. And we go for walks. And when we go for a walk, we might encounter another dog. Ever had that? Another dog? And so Molly sees the dog about 100 meters away. And she goes into fight mode. Like, I don't care how big your dog is, my Molly will take it out. She goes into fight mode. I'll kill her. I hate you. You're a dog. You don't look like me. I'm going to kill you. And Daisy is so placid. She's looking. She's like, 
Molly, what's the problem? I would like to go and sniff them and say hello. And so Daisy wants to just troll it off and say hello, and Molly is in kill mode. I'm bad. She is. She is really, really bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. You know the song. Then the dog turns around to look at the commotion, like, who's making that noise? And that strange dog over there turns to Molly and just looks at her, and Molly goes into flight mode. She rushes behind me, ah, Daddy, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. And she starts yelping, and like, now she's already terrified. And Daisy's looking and saying, get a grip, girl, what's wrong with you? What is the problem? What you don't understand when Molly and Daisy were eight weeks old, we had just got them, and Claire and I took them for a walk down the Bollin Valley. And they were running on the grass, playing as cute as a bee. And some silly dog walker had about 10 Labrador dogs off the leash. Friendliest as things ever. Would never harm a flea. And they came running up to my girls, and Claire picked up Daisy, but I couldn't get to Molly in time. So they, they just descended, 10 of these massive elephants, Descended on my little girl. And they were all over her, just sniffing her. They weren't hurting her. But Molly screamed. She had an experience of abuse. And she's never been the same since. Every time she sees another dog, a trigger happens. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that is called post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. That stress hijacks your mind. It, it prevents your brain from thinking naturally and logically. You can't even trust your own judgments. Everything in your world all of a sudden becomes negative and you start to experience enhanced paranoia. It feels like there's a disaster balloon hanging over your head and somebody in the world's got the pin but you don't know who it is and this could pop at any moment and just flood all over you. Even the smell or a sound could trigger this over you and the anxiety, the stress and the pain takes hold on you. It's over, but it's not over for you. These triggers that happen to you, there is no real danger. Molly, the dog is on a lead 100 meters away. Dad's got you. I will pick you up, I'll save you, but no matter amount of me coaxing or talking, to, she's freaking out. She's flipping out because of a trigger that has happened. See, it's not what's going on, but it's that something has triggered something in your head. You see, all of a sudden, you can start to remember the 400 years of abuse and neglect and stress and heartbreak and disappointment. Maybe you suffered a job loss, a lost opportunity. And all of a sudden, Wayne stands up and says, we're heading north, and you start flipping out. We've been there before. Don't you remember what happened last time? Fear or flight. And I'm standing here saying, what's the problem, dude? Get a grip. South Africa will win. (laughs) Could it be that you've had rejection and failure, so now you won't try? You fell once, so now you won't climb. You were defeated once, so now you won't fight. You see, the devil we know is a liar. And all he has to do is remind you of your past. You see, when this happens, you remember something that did happen. 
And now you feel like it is happening. So now you overreact in the situation. Does that explain why some of your friends are cuckoo? You think to yourself, what is with you? Maybe it's time we reached out and grabbed a hand and said, come with me. We're moving on. I understand you've got a past. Come with me. It's going to be okay. God's got your back. Let's do it together. Maybe you need to take the time to explain to someone and say, this is freaking me out. Let me just explain to you. I've got issues there and I could really do some help. Come, honey. We're going on. That does not say God said, you got issues? That's okay. You stay. It's fine. I understand. You're okay. You're special. Special you? Move on. Come. We're going to get you sorted. God wants to set an ambush. He says these words. The enemy will steal your peace at where you are with the threat of where you've been. I'll say it again. The enemy will steal the peace of where you are with the threat of where you've been. That's courtesy of T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Sometimes that's why we shout out at our leaders, I hate you, leave me alone, I don't want to be here. I would rather be a number 10 than risk being 11 or 1 on the next level. God is calling us and saying, please guys, move on. But I've got some good news for you today. I've got three minutes left to tell you the good news. And I've got three points. That's a, a point a minute. <laughs> I can't do that. Okay, so we'll just take five a minute. Right. Uh, Moses answered the people. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. Now listen to these words. He says, the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. You don't need to fight. Just stand there and be, cool, be quiet. I'm telling you, God is going to get some glory. Can you start to get yourself excited? Start to think about, if I move on, God's going to bring around a miracle. And the very thing that I've been fearing all my life is not going to see again. I'm going to be set free. Hallelujah. Oh, God asks Moses and says, Moses. What's in your hand? What have you got in your hand? He says, I've got a stick. I'm leaning on my stick. You see, some of you come to church because you're leaning on a crutch. But I want to tell you, there's a miracle in your stick. Are you prepared to use your stick to go forward? God says, stretch out your hand, Moses. Stretch out your stick, Moses. And the waters begin to part. There's a couple of things that came to my mind. And as I was praying about this, it came so clearly. Are you prepared to forgive in order to move on. The Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the last part says, Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release and forgive those who have wronged us. Are you prepared to say, Egyptians, I forgive you? Or are you saying, no, 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 no. When the Egyptians come and repent and say, I'm sorry, then I will forgive them. But until they say sorry, I'm not forgiving. No. Are you prepared to forgive? Maybe you need to write this down. You see, healing does not bring forgiveness. Forgiveness brings healing. Let me say it again. Healing does not bring forgiveness. Forgiveness 
brings healing. Yes, honey, you've been wronged. Yes, macho man, you've been wronged. Forgive. Be the bigger one. Forgive. Why? God wants to set you free. That's how you move on. Are you prepared to do what Philippians 4 says? Be anxious for nothing. Stop the worry. Stop the stress. Stop the fear. But in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Are you prepared to cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe you are the deliverer. I believe that you got my back. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to believe his word that says, God's grace is sufficient for you to overcome the catfish that are nipping on your tails? You see, God said that to Paul. said, my grace is sufficient for you and works best in your weakness. So Paul says, well, now I'm going to boast and be glad about my weakness. See, I'm not trying to freak out anymore that I'm on a level one. Because I know I'm 21. I'm no longer 10. I'm gone to the next level. Are you prepared to put the word of God on your lips? Isaiah 54, 17 says these words. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, you have to condemn. He didn't say God is going to. You. What's in your stick? There is a miracle in your mouth. That's what's in your stick. Are you prepared to praise God? Lastly, the third one. Number one, forgive. Number two, pray God's word. Number three, are you prepared to praise? Yes, these catfish. Yes, there's an enemy around you. Yes, you're scared. I can't believe it how God allowed catfish. Paul and Silas, they were preaching the good news. They were preaching to people. And some demon-possessed girl comes along and they rebuke her and they land up in in jail doing Jesus' job. And he allows them to get beaten up and whipped and, and put in stocks in the inner jail. Thank you very much, God. You think my jobs aren't hard enough there already? And he allows a little bit of catfish, but he's setting an ambush. Next thing, the whole jailer and the whole lot of them all give their lives to Jesus. See, Jesus can see the big picture. He says, what did Paul and Silas do? In that terrible position, they began to praise him. They began to give him thanks. And they worshipped him and they started to praise him. God worked a miracle. Oh, my friend, I know you're going through a hard time. I know you're finding yourself a number one. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your past. I don't know what the problem is. I'm saying God's asking you to go to the next level. And he's telling you to move on. He does not want you to sit and be comfortable where you're at. He's saying, come on, move on. Are you prepared to move on? So Moses stretches out his rod and the waters pass. And guess what God does? Guess what he does? He goes and puts him again in a scary place. Can you imagine 40 feet walls of pure water, sharks swimming nearby, and you look at them and say, those walls of water could come tumbling down at any second and swamp them. And you say, come on, honey, hold my hand. I know you're scared, but God is taking us to the other side. Grab somebody right now by the hand and say, come on, honey, we're going to the other side. Come on, we can do it, love. We're going to the other side. Yes, Chris, you can say, come on, chick, we're coming on to the other side. I don't care what your phrase is. Come on, we're going to the other side. Don't you say duck? Come on, duck, chick, duck, chuck. Whatever, we're going to the other side. Whatever takes your fancy, tell them, come on, we're going. But this is what I want to leave you with as you guys start to play. I want to leave you with these words and I want to tell you this. Listen to this very carefully. 
when the miracle starts happening and you're on the move. The wind starts blowing. When the children of Israel started to move, the wind started to blow. The pneuma, the Holy Spirit, started to move and blew all night on their situation and started to part the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry land. The Holy Spirit didn't move until they moved. The miracle is in the moving. Are you prepared to start to move and allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to move on? We were singing this song earlier. No weapon formed against us will prosper. My God only knows how to triumph. God's going to make a way where there is no other way. He will never fail. What the enemy meant for good, for bad, God can turn around for your good. Can you sing that song today? I see a victory. I know you're going through a hard time. I can see a victory. What do you want to do now, Wayne? Why don't we just get in his presence? Why don't you come and take your past and say, Jesus, here it is. Here's my past. I give it to you. I'm moving on. I refuse to focus on the back and past anymore. I'm focusing on you. I see a victory. I do see my kids serving the Lord. I do see my job situation turning around. I see a new business coming along. I see relationships that have been destroyed being mended. Can you see a victory? Come on, let's stand together as we worship the Lord for a couple of minutes.